Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This episode of The Huddle is brought to you by The Athletic Club Oakland a local sports bar we love. The ACO has shut down their entire side street, created an enormous outdoor space called the Town Gardens, and they filled that space with tables and huge TVs and their full complement of excellent food. It's big, it's comfortable, it's a great spot to watch the NFL, the baseball playoffs, and Warriors games with other fans while still staying safe. I love this spot. I love their food, I love their space, I love their TVs. The Athletic Club is now our go-to spot to watch all sports, especially the Warriors, and we hope you'll join us there. In fact, if I see anyone at the ACO in a huddle shirt, beer on me. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans can be sports fans again. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in. We're in with me, Bram, with me per usual. My boy, producer Marcus. What's up, Dev Nation? And our master of all things sound, Maxime. How's it going? Boys, I am crazy excited to announce rejoining us, the co-host of the Morning Roast on 95.7. One of the most passionate and knowledgeable guests we have on this show. And the guy who has had me singing either Bia Bia or Bia Lisa <laughs> all fucking day, Mr. Joe Shasky. What's going on, Joe? What's up, guys? I cannot believe Bia Lisa took off like that. I'm going to be real with you guys. I watched about four minutes of Bielitsa basketball uh, before <laughs> last night and into the preseason. But I, I'm, I'm telling you, I saw right away in the preseason, the dude can play. And I'm not trying to say he's, you know, Giannis, but the guy can play. He's going to be a factor off the bench. Can you believe it? No, and you're four minutes ahead of me as far as background Bielitsa watching, <laughs> you know, and I, I couldn't be more excited. In fact, I'll be transparent to start this thing off. Gentlemen, I'm a little hungover today. And I'd like to tell you this because there was like some big ass party last night or like Warriors opener. No, no, it was not. I had one friend over. We had a fairly good time at, during the game. Then he left and I continued to drink by myself <laughs> just watching fucking highlights. You know, so look, it was a mistake. I don't know if I take it back, but if I'm a little slow on the draw today, you guys now know why. It makes perfect sense, man. I watched that last uh, Bielitsa 
uh, assist, the like fake pass to D Lee, and then the like kick out to the wide open Wiggins. I mean, at least thirty times. It was his calm competency. You know, I've I've been so used to, and we'll we'll jump into this and and handle it in a glass half full. But we've already mentioned his name, so let's put it out there. I, I, the last few years, even with people like Jordan Poole. I have been used to being really optimistic about players who haven't quite found their game yet. So, you know, they'll, they'll do things and you're excited, but they're not calm. They're not immediately competent. Nemanja last night at no point was rushing at no point seemed like he was over his head. He just was allowing the game to come to him and was competent throughout, which has me crazy fired up. But I tell you what, no more pussyfooting around. Let's jump in. And our first segment boys is glass half full. So normally what we do here, Joe, look back on recent hoop. Give me Mm -hmm. something you like, something you don't like about Warriors basketball. Let's jump into the Laker game specific and just go heavy for me. What's something that you liked? What's something that sticks out in your mind? Well, I mean, right out the gate, I mean, the guys, the Warriors are winning with basically their B game. I mean, Steph Curry was off. Jordan Poole first half off. You know, Draymond Green, early foul trouble. Wiggins, early foul trouble. And yet they find a way to win a game that I think last year, they lose that game by 15, and it's not even close. Like, there's no way around it. Here's the big thing for me, especially with basketball at, at the NBA level. Do you understand how to play the game that your team is asking you to play? The way James Harden plays is very ball-dominant. Guys are going to stand out on the three-point line. Maybe you have a, a high pick-and-roll, and the center is going to try to rim run, right? Things like that. I look at what they built last year. It just didn't fit Eric Pascal. Ball stopper. He wants to go ISO. The next time he passes will be the first time he passes. Kelly Oubre, same thing. The shoot button is is jammed on the PlayStation 5 controller. He does not know how to pass the ball. It's shoot, 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 and that's all he can do. And that works, but not on this team. And when I saw this team play last night, you know when you play in a pickup game and you look around and you're like, oh, if I pass to this guy, he's going to move without the ball. I'm going to get it back. I'm going to get my shots up. Like, you know when you play with someone within the first couple minutes, that guy knows how to play. That gal knows how to play. And I watched that team last night, and I'm like, oh, this is going to work. Like, this is going to work. I don't know what Clay's going to be. I don't know what Wiseman's going to be. I don't know where they're going to fit in. Where does Moody fit in? When can Kaminga come back? Iggy and this team with Bielitsa and obviously Otto Porter Jr. off the bench, yeah, they got something here. This team knows how to play the game that they need to play. I'm really excited, guys. Joe, I'm not even kidding. You know who fucking agrees with you? Mr. Steph Curry. Let me give you a quote. Quote, Everybody is either a threat to shoot or is going to make the right play, move the ball, high IQ. It's huge. I think we always talk about the strength of numbers mentality and how we play and try to create offense is predicated on me drawing attention, moving the ball. If everybody buys into the fact we don't know who it's going to be every night, we don't know whether it's going to be their game, but everyone is going to contribute to that style, it should be a good season. I I couldn't agree with you more, man. And you hit a bunch of points that have me fired up. This roster makes sense. And it's not just that the pieces fit with one another. The pieces fit with Coach Kerr's system and style. Mm -hmm. It's a bunch of smart dudes who know how to move the ball and hit an open shot. And we saw that in different ways last night. Steph played what he called a trash game. Incidentally, (laughs) when he plays trash, he still fucks around and gets a triple-double. But despite that trash game, you know, going five for 21, they walk away with a huge win against a hated Team, and you even talked about Poole. One of the things I loved about him, well, two things. One, he didn't start off that well. You know, that first quarter, man, he looked a little intimidated. And it's the kind of thing that could have stuck with him. It didn't 
He comes storming back in the fourth. And then two, when did he do his damage? The first six minutes of the fourth quarter, put differently, the most terrifying moment for yes. all Warriors fans, dude. Like, that's yes. a, every game last year. We were terrified during that. That's when the game was won this year. So, no, there, there's a lot of things to celebrate. MT, uh, what do you got? Glass half full. I will go with the fact that um, LeBron and AD had really good games. I don't think LeBron shoots that well consistently over the season. I mean, he was, what, six for six to start the game, and he was hitting some big shots. Mm -hmm. Um, But we took their two best players, two of their better punches, and we still came out on top. So I like the fact, like, I saw a lot of the headlines were, Warriors stun Lakers, Warriors upset Lakers. And to me, I was like, that doesn't really feel like that. If you watch the game, like the Lakers, to me, I know they're missing a few pieces due to injuries, but to me, it just seems like they are really heavy front loaded on the on their starting five and our depth really shunned through. And it's it's really going to be interesting to see you know, the the Lakers try not to collapse throughout the regular season. Are they built for the playoffs because of their veteran you know, teammates and experience, obviously. Um, but I think getting there will be a bigger problem than most people were anticipating because we took those shots. And like Joe said, normally we would be down 15 and lose that game. And we took that right hook and just stood there and then delivered one right back, which was really, really exciting to see. I hopped on ESPN's uh, hoop page this morning. And you know what headline greeted me? Steph Curry misses wide open dunk. And it's like, are you serious, dude? Like, that's the headline on this? But I tell you what, I'm not going to jump down that negative uh, rabbit hole. Instead, I'm going to give you something else I really enjoyed. So the Warriors, if you're going to be worried about if, if I'm going to be worried about anything on this roster, it's lack of big men. You know, they don't have a whole lot of centers, man. And with Wiseman hurt, really, it's just loon. And so rebounding is the thing I'm kind of concerned going into. And if you're going to handpick a team that can take advantage of that lack mm-hmm. of size in the NBA, it's the Lakers. You know I mean? That, that's what's up. And, and MT has already pointed out their two big boys played really well. And they loaded up. They started with DeAndre Jordan last night. And despite our lack of size and despite the biggest team in the NBA, didn't hurt us. You know, we were, we were totally fine. So another thing that got me fired up. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I completely agree. I think, um, what did they combine for like six offensive rebounds total as a team? Like that is not that is not a good sign for the Lakers. I think the Lakers have a lot of problems. And quite frankly, I think Russell Westbrook lost that game for the Lakers. Um, he was abysmal, um, which just gets me so excited as a Lakers hater. Um, I You know, I knew that was a bad move going into it. And boy, is that panning out to be the case early on. But I wanted to mention one thing that I'm super excited about um, that's maybe a little bit of like a a chess situation going on here. Um, I'm excited about uh, Iguodala's 25 minutes. And look, I mean, I think Iguodala played really well. I'm so excited. Like, you know, like Steph said, he's got a lot left in the tank. I think he's just a fantastic, calming presence for our team. It feels so good. It just feels right to have him back in Warriors jersey. But the reason I bring it up in this context is I think it bodes really well for for this Steve Kerr 2.0 thing, right? Like one of the things that we know from Kerr is that he's somewhat inflexible in 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 how he builds his rotations, um, you know, and sort of when he subs people out and when he brings them back in, regardless of how they're playing night to night. I don't think anybody expected for 
um, Iguodala to actually play 25 minutes. Not Iguodala and not Steve Kerr. So the fact that they saw him playing well and that Kerr went with it and how it probably jumbled up all sorts of other things, like how much time Moody got to play, I think that bodes really well for um, for the Steve Kerr 2.0, right? That's more flexible, more willing to adapt to the lineups um, night to night. Uh, it's just like it has a good feel to it. There was, I'm going to date myself here, gentlemen, I apologize in advance, but one of my favorite NBA video games of all time is a game called Live 95. Oh. And one of the things that made oh. that fucking game great. Shooting Guard 99? Okay, boy, let's go. Exactly right. How did I know I could count on you, Joe? But in that series, before 2K took over and it was NBA Live, towards the end and in 95 and I think 96 too, they started giving signature plays to the, uh, to the players. Right. And like Tom Chambers had like this, like uh, two handed dunk from the free throw line. The reason I bring this up last night, I had forgotten how much I forgot or how much I had missed Andre's signature defensive move. That thing where he strips players on their way up for a jump shot and starts going the other way. And it was just so great to have that back in my life. But I tell you what, We've got a ton of Andre questions coming up in the five golden. So before I get there, and before I talk about the things we may not have liked about last night, anything else, boys? Empty the clip. What what else stuck out from last night positive-wise? Let me jump in here, guys, and I want your guys' opinion on this. The contrast of styles was awesome last night. If there's a team you fear, like you guys all mentioned, when it comes to bigs, it's it's got to be the Lakers. I mean – but they were playing a bunch of dinosaurs last night. They trade and, and basically allow Schroeder, Schroeder, whatever the hell his name is, to walk away. Schroeder killed the Warriors the last couple of years, I felt like. Absolutely killed them. He was a mismatch nightmare on both ends. And getting Russell Westbrook, total downgrade. But I'm looking at it from the Warrior perspective. They could play the three guards, Clay, Poole, and Steph Curry, maybe not exclusively, maybe not to close games out. But you're going to get stretches just like – Fred Van Vliet and Lowry and Powell played against them in the 2019 finals. I think the three-guard lineup is going to be the most lethal part of this team. And then Iguodala, I thought he was done. Him and Moody being able to, to kind of like tutor underneath Iguodala's watch. Is there a better player for the young kid to learn from? I'm just, I'm so excited about this team. But the three-guard lineup, guys. I'm like, I cannot wait for Clay to come back. For you and I both, and I'll all add a cherry on top of that because another thing i really loved the lakers signed avery bradley two days ago two days ago the, the warriors threw him off they no longer wanted him it looks like we're going with gp2 the lakers adam i you know as a flyer who did we see last night to close the game for them fucking avery bradley we we literally put them in the in the rinse cycle so much that their only shot at trying to stop steph was a guy they had picked up off the discarded heap two days ago and if we now bring back Clay into that and we've got a three guard lineup, if Avery Bradley was their only answer when we only had two of those guards, I can't wait to see where this goes, which also incidentally leads to the thing I didn't like that Avery Bradley looked kind of competent. I didn't like that at all. You know, like I, I shouldn't care, man. He's not playing for us, but I love the idea. Like in fantasy, if I drop someone from my team, I want that person to be awful. So I can be like, uh, see, I made the right call. When the Warriors decide to move on from a player and then we see them immediately afterwards, I would have preferred for him to look terrible and washed and done. And he didn't, you know, he had a couple of spot ups. He had some slightly tenacious D. So that's the thing I didn't like was, was AB's competency. Nice. Yeah, he came. He definitely had some FU three pointers right off the bat. <laughs> I think we're directed straight at, at Bob, but, um, 
I will go. One of the things that I liked, um, the last thing that we're going in on is we didn't shoot the ball. We didn't shoot our threes very well. Uh, I think we were only like 35, 36%. Um, and, you know, once we get up more shots, they did a good job of running us off the line. The Lakers did. But I think, you know, if we can win without that part of our game being as efficient as it can be, I think it just bodes well for the future for when that corner shot like uh, Damian Lee had a big one that rattled in and out um, in the corner that would have, you know, put the game away a little bit earlier, a possession or two earlier. I just think there are a few threes, obviously, Steph, he doesn't like shooting at Staples. So once we start getting into other arenas and, you know, get that rotation solidified, and I think those threes start falling more at a 40, 42% clip, um, I think the sky's the limit for this team. And if Wiggins gets his feet underneath him, turns out yeah. that the Staples boxing lights thing is real, huh? I mean, I, we, I know we say it over and over again, and but we saw another uh, illustration of it last night because Steph just couldn't get anything to fall. All right, boys. Well, sorry. Just, there's a couple of other things that I want to add because you said pile on, and I just cannot oh, be sure. more stoked about this season. So Empty the clip. Let's, let's go. go. I, I, like, I, I feel like, first of all, we've already touched around the edges of it, but Jordan Poole... Uh, is just transcendent. I'm so excited for this dude, and I'm so excited for how he's playing alongside Steph Curry. Obviously, he didn't have a good first half, um, but to come out in the second half of the opening game on national TV against the Lakers at Staples Center and play the way he did, I mean, it's just like this dude is poised for a really, really fantastic season, and I'm so excited about that. I just wanted to make that explicit. Well, I'm glad you bring that up. And I, I want you guys to, because everybody's losing their minds this offseason. Trade all the youngsters. Mm. Isn't the isn't the growing pains they went through the last two years? Like, of course, we don't want that to happen with Wiseman this year. We don't want it with Kaminga and Moody. But, like, you're seeing it bear fruit this year. Like, Poole took a big step back the first year. He had a moment here or there. He even went down to the G League last year. But look where he's at two years later. I look at the Nets and the Lakers, both those teams. There are no young, good players at all. It's a bunch of buyouts. The Warriors, it, maybe they hit on one of the two, Moody and Kaminga. And maybe Wiseman becomes, you know, he could be good. Not, he doesn't have to be great. Just be good. Imagine how much assets they have now coming off the bench. Young, cheap, controllable players around these max players. Like, I'm, I'm so excited. Pool's development makes me feel so much better about the other young guys they have. Dude, I, I couldn't agree with you. So look, one game, right? And, and we'll we'll explore um, how far we can push this optimism in this next section. So, I, you know, I get it. One game for anybody out there who's kind of rolling our eyes out. That was a big game. It was a huge game. And Joe, here's how I'll agree with you. The, I, I don't. I no longer think they need to push their chips into the center of the table to maximize Steph. I am very happy that they have these young assets. And here's the thing that's shifted. During the offseason, at least in my perspective, they did. They needed the Beals or the Simmons of the world. They needed to bring in another superstar to maximize. Well, what we may have found out last night and during an undefeated preseason, by the way, is that you didn't need Beal. You don't need Simmons. What you need was just regular competency. Otto Porter Jr., Nemanja Bialica. And if that is actually, if, if these are the people we needed to shift the team to veteran minimums, and so we are now both a contender and we are developing these guys. The, you know, the, the, uh, we saw Moody last night get a little bit of experience, but that experience is going to matter. We saw Wiseman at least in the building soaking up what it feels like to get a giant win like that. And so I spent all of last year saying you can't contend and develop one game into this 82. I might be taking that back. It looks like they might be able to do both. 
Yeah, I mean, one of the things that that makes me feel pretty confident about that is like Moody looked acceptable out there. He did not look lost. And I think if you're going to pick players, I mean, look, that just gives us more of an opportunity to figure out what to do with Wiseman, who who did look a little bit lost last season. Um, he did. It seems like they're making the right moves. Have you guys have you guys met Mo, or uh, heard any of the interviews with Moses Moody? I, I'm just curious. Yours? I've heard the one okay. that you and uh, and Bonte did. Look, let me tell you this. I, I'm I'm not just caping up. Like I'm I'm being 100. percent Jacob Evans stunk. There's no caping up for him. You know what I mean? Like he just wasn't good enough. <laughs> There's something about this Moses Moody kid. The kid can play. He's re- I really like his maturity, his IQ, his ability to soak in information. Kaminga, total wild card. Dude's out of his mind. But I love that about him. And I'm telling you guys right now, neither one of these kids as a personality fit. Like, McCaw didn't fit personality-wise in the NBA. He's kind of aloof. Both these kids are grand slams in terms of personality. And I know James Wiseman left a lot to be desired. This kid is really, really smart and dedicated. That's all you can ask for for these young players. Be dedicated and love your craft and be smart. And I think they hit on these ones. I really do. I'm bullish on them. What I remember about your guys' interview with Moody is that he was funny, but he was also a good listener. It didn't seem like he was intimidated in any way by the moment. You know, I mean, just you guys went in there. I mean, you, you brought up, he was willing to talk about anything you guys brought up, but I wasn't in the room. I mean, for you, am I, am I hitting that right? Did he no, seem no, no. pretty calm no. and enjoyable? Yeah. This is, this is how I judge things. Like, oh, the media people, they bring a guy in, he sits down. Everybody's the best. You know, oh, isn't this kid the best? What do they say about that kid when he's not in the room? And let me just say, every single person behind the scenes, not the front office people, but behind the scenes people, Jonathan Kaminga, they have to rip him off the gym because he is playing too hard every single day. They're like, dedication is not a problem. We have to literally ramp him down. Moses Moody is a sponge. They love this kid. And he's quiet, but he's very, very, very focused. I'm telling you, Paul George Jr. is what they're calling him at, at Oracle, or at Chase Center. They I'll call him Paul it. George Jr. The kid can facilitate better than they thought. Defensively, he's sneaky. He's 19. He's 19. So I, I love these. I'm telling you guys, these guys, I'm very bullish on the youngsters. It might take two years, but it, believe me, there will be some fruit on this tree. You've got me fired up. You've got me legitimately fired up. Also, let me give you random props. One name I did not expect to hear during today's episode was Macaw. There's a guy, you know, who I have not thought about for hell of long. Uh, all right. Let's do it, Sorry, Sorry. Five golden questions. Uh, these are mailbag questions that have been sent in from the audience. They normally focus only on the Warriors, but occasionally get personal. I've reviewed them, and they do both here. Also, they touch on a lot of the stuff that we've already talked about. Um, so let me begin with a Jordan Poole one. Quote, if he remains healthy and continues to develop at this rate, Will Jordan Poole be a better or worse player than Jamal Crawford? I'm going to throw it to you first, MT, just to give you a little uh, a little stats and um, background here. Jamal Crawford's best statistical year was in 07. He averaged 20 and 5 for the Knicks, career 15 and 3 and a half. So what do you think? If he continues to develop, no injuries, this guy becomes who the Warriors want him to be. Is his ceiling higher or lower than Jamal? I think it's the same and I, I, not to hedge and just be that answer, but um, yeah, that's a very Jamal boring Crawford, answer. Very Jamal boring Crawford answer. had a few seasons where he was six man of the year or runner up and legitimately. So he was a walking bucket still to this day. I think he has some of the best 
handles maybe outside of Kyrie and Steph um, ever to be on the basketball court. So I think his game is a little different, but ceiling wise in terms of just impact, I think um, Jordan Poole would be in a great company if he has that kind of year and impact on the Warriors where he's averaging, you know, 20 or so points a game because that to to me will be most improved player um, at the end of this season. And Jamal, former Warrior, uh, you know, shout out. I really enjoyed him. Always liked that move when he'd blow into his hands before he got hot. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, if, if pool, so let's see, I agree with EMT hell of a aspiration. And if ultimately he becomes Jamal Crawford, I'll be happy. And the Warriors got a steal and he'll be contributing to this franchise. Also, I think his ceiling is higher. He's a much better passer, or at least could be a better playmaker than Jamal ever was. And he's playing a little bit of defense already, something that Crawford didn't do at any stage. So I am a little higher. I think he could be better. Split the difference, Joe. Where are you at on this? Wow, I think this is really tough. Jamal Crawford had like a 20-year career. I mean, he was really, really good for a long, long time. There's very few guys that stick in the league that are starters. Like, it's just – that's the reality of it because you might be in – a wrong situation. Can you be really, really, really good? Hell yeah. Lou Williams comes to mind. Jamal Crawford. Ginobili. Ginobili is one of the all-time greats. Never started. Never started uh, for the Spurs. Came off the bench. I mean, there's there's lots of guys that have done that. A 20-year career. I believe Jamal Crawford in like nine or ten straight years, well, I think eight years or more, was over 17 points a game off the bench. I mean, that is – that's we're talking about elite territory. He's like the uh, – the wall, the Julio Franco of scoring off the bench when it comes to the NBA. Uh, man, you're right. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say less, guys, because Jamal had an. I think he had an underrated career. He bounced around a lot. I think if Jamal had played more in this era as opposed to the the ten years before, uh, I really do think that he would be valued a lot more. Um, I think we'd be looking at his game in a different way in this more spread open, you know, wide space three and D era. I think he plays a lot more. I love, I believe me, I love Jordan Poole. A 20-year career where you're averaging 18, like 10 straight years, that's tough for me to say right now. I'm yeah. sorry, I just, I, the odds are most people aren't all-stars. I mean, we didn't have an all-star for 11 years, guys. And then David Lee, I mean, and you're not wrong. So here are his points per game from 03 to 2010. Yeah, 17, 17, 14, 17, 20, 19, 19, 18, 14. Um, and so he has been consistent across the board. Maxime, weigh in here, man. What do you think? Who is his ceiling above or below Mr. Crawford? Yeah. So, I mean, I think Joe brings up a really good point. I, I look, I mean, it's hard, right? I think this is a really good comp. Whoever wrote this question yeah. is, is very, very thoughtful, right? I mean, he's multiple NBA sixth man of the year. I feel like that's the type of territory that we were talking about with Jordan Poole. If there's a healthy Clay Thompson on this team, I will say if there is an opportunity, if he does end up going over, which you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna vote for that because I I believe in this. I have this optimism. It's because of one thing: Stephen Curry. Jamal Crawford didn't have a transcendent yeah. superstar alongside of him to show him the ropes. And if Jordan Poole is going to have this level of tenacity in his third year, show up like this, and continue to be able to learn alongside one of the greatest players ever in the history of the game, there's a real good chance that he's going to have a fantastic, better than Jamal Crawford level career. Joe, if you're Bobby Myers. You're sitting today, and, and for the purposes of this question, throw out the salary cap rules. You're sitting, yeah. you are celebrating a hell of a win. You get a call. 
It's the Lakers, and they want to offer you Russell Westbrook straight up for Jordan huh. Poole. What do you say? Yeah, there's just no way I'm doing it. I mean, I actually appreciate Russ probably more than the, most of the fan base does. He's an all-time legend. He tries his you-know-what off. He's a defensive liability who can't shoot and has to have the ball in his hands. He just doesn't fit. There's just no way. No, I don't want him at all. Now, there are certain teams I do think Russ actually works with, just not this one. Like, it just – no, there's no way in hell I'm keeping Jordan Poole. I don't know what Jordan Poole's going to develop into, but, guys, I got a lot of Monte vibes. I was talking about this this morning. Yeah. Like, when Monte mm-hmm. – not the style of play. I'm talking about the ascension. When Jason Richardson got hurt in the We Believe year, Monte balled out. Balled out. And that's kind of what led to him getting the big extension, then moving a bunch of pieces on top, thinking that they could make Brandon Wright an actual player, which was wrong. But I see an opportunity for Jordan Poole to establish himself. And I'm interested to see if Steve Kerr can adjust his thinking and play the three guards a lot. It's okay to play Draymond, Iggy, Poole, and Clay Thompson. Like, what it was Steph, what, why, why couldn't they run that lineup out there for six or seven minutes at a time? A new, different, hybrid deck lineup. Like, I. I don't know. I, I, I'm I really bullish on, on Jordan Poole, and it's because the guy is finishing at the lane, too. Now, defensively, can he stay on the court? Will he be the one, especially early on, is he the guy, along with Wiggins, who's going to have to be guarding these perimeter offensive players in the NBA, like you know Luka Doncic, for example? That's a tall task. How much does that take away from his offense? I don't know. I've got a bunch of other questions here for you boys. One's I'm really fired up for. But before we do, let's hear a quick word from our sponsors. And we are back. Um, I should have threw this out before we went to the commercial break. But Joe, if I haven't convinced you that you're allowed to say the word ass on this show yet, I have no (laughs) idea how I'm ultimately going to. (laughs) Let's go to another question. And this one follows up on the Andre conversation we were having earlier. Um, Joe, keep the mic. Let me start with you. Do you think Andre will contribute more on the floor as a player or off the floor as a mentor this year? Wow, this is a tough one. I think on the floor, I underestimated how much game he had left. Yeah, it's one game. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how long and how good he plays. I mean, even when he was in his prime toward the end, when you're banging with LeBron James in a seven-game series, his back gave out. That's partly why they, they lost in 2016. No one ever talks about that. His back was just shot. But um I think he's going to help so much beyond the scenes. Forget mentoring the young guys. We know that. That's obvious. How about blowing sweet nothings into Steve Kerr's ear? How about being (laughs) the buffer for Draymond Green so that Draymond doesn't attack Kaminga and Wiseman and Moody? How about just being the lighthearted guy in the room that makes everyone smile? We all have that work colleague who, when they walk into the room, for us at 95.7, it's Guru. When he walks into the room, everyone feels better. And I feel like that's the same Hmm. thing with Iguodala. And if more than anything, it gives a golfing partner to Steph Curry. Mission accomplished, man. Mission accomplished. No, you're absolutely right. Um, and what's so great is, just as you've kind of phrased it, we don't have to pick one or for the other. You know, I mean, he, he is going to be remarkably invaluable for both sides. And you know what I think of? There was that moment last year when Steph finally broke. We had the image of him screaming oh. at the huddle, you know, and it, it just got furious. And that's never happened over Steph's career. And one of the reasons I think it did is because he didn't have an Iguodala on the team. He didn't have the Sean Livingston's of the world. He didn't have the David Wests who could kind of do that stuff where he didn't have to. Well, he does now. He's got Andre right back on the team. Uh, Maxime, let me start this one with you. Do you view the Lakers as the top power in the West? And are they your most hated team 
in sports. Mm. So split those up for me, right? Save the hated one um, because we'll cover that second. Do you expect the Lakers to walk away with the West after watching them for one game? Okay, after watching them for one game, I'm less sure about it. I do think that they are um, a pretty dangerous team. I don't think, you know, Westbrook had a um, historically bad performance by his standards. I don't think he's going to play that bad. Um, I think, you know, LeBron James and Anthony Davis looked fantastic. And I think they will continue to be fantastic. And it's very hard to bet against them. So, um, you know, I, I I know that MT favors the Jazz. I have a ton of heart for the Warriors, um, you know, but I still think the Lakers have uh, have the, the tentpole position on this one. There's two things, two rocks you could throw at the Lakers if anybody said that they were presumptive favorites. It was that they were old and it was that they were thin. What they look last night? They looked old and they looked thin. Their, their front court, I mean, like they're starting five, good enough. But the second, I mean, what, rewind the tape on this podcast, 15 minutes again to close the game. They had Avery Bradley, a guy who Unreal. wasn't even on the team yet, you know? So um, not to say that you don't have to be worried about these guys. In fact, not to say that if I was Vegas and I was giving out odds, the Lakers would still be my odds on favorite. But after watching how these pieces fit just for 48 minutes, I don't think that it's a walkaway favorite at all. I wouldn't put money in that direction. Couldn't have said it better myself. I will say, I mean, because I, I, I was what I was reminded of is a couple years ago when we just dropped the home opener against the, the Rockets by 25 points. Um, you know, it's like one game is not indicative of the whole season. Uh, so, you know, you got to take these things with a grain of salt. But the reason I bring that up is, boy, did I hate the Rockets once upon a time when James Harden was on that team and, you know, they were pushing us in the conference finals. That pales in comparison to how I feel about this Lakers squad. Just the history, the in-state rivalry, the pompous narrative of their fans, uh, the fact that LeBron is on this team and that he is sort of the antithesis of how I want basketball to be assembled in terms of like, you know, we know that he's running that front office and has made some just ridiculous moves to bring in homies that just doesn't feel like good basketball. And then here we are on the other side, making a great team with sort of these role players that are coming together in just such a perfect way. And it's so beautiful. And so I feel like, yeah, how could I hate anybody else more? This is the antithesis of how I want basketball to be played. Joe, take the hate part of this, but before you do, a quick warning. <laughs> Normally, Marcus is stupid and healthy, right? There's a chance when we ask him, like, is this your most hated team? He's like, oh, it's sports and hate kills you, you know? And so I try not to hate people. So just know that that might be coming. But for you, two questions. One, do you legitimately hate other teams or players? And if so, who is your most hated team or player? Are we going NBA? Anything. No, no, no. Open it up. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can give me both if, if there's one specific I mean, for the NBA, but I want to know the look, biggest one. I mean, the, the, the number one right now, look, LeBron James, I, here's the irony of LeBron James. I love watching him actually play basketball. Yeah. It's all the theatrics. Mm -hmm. It's all of the extra stuff. The constant berating of the officials 24-7, 365. It's the constant little nudges that he has to give certain players. It's just, he drives me absolutely insane. And the part that really bugs me is that, look, you can hate Tom Brady. You don't see him berate officials sure. the whole yep. game, all game long. I watched Michael Jordan. He didn't do it all game long the way LeBron does. It is so insufferable. Is it HD cameras? Is it the fact that we're doing 24-7 news coverage? Probably. Like, that plays into it. 
and love all the stuff he's done off the court. The guy drives me completely insane when I watch him. The number one team that I hate the most in any other – it's the Los Angeles Dodgers, and with good <laughs> with good reason. I mean, sitting there this week, it was just un- insufferable. I had a little girl in a Gavin Lux jersey waving a towel in my face the entire time of game five as we lost to them at home and watching them celebrate. It was made me want to throw up. Number one person I hate more than anyone in sports, it starts here, Tommy Lasorda. Number two, Jimmy Johnson when he was with the damn Cowboys. I couldn't stand his hair, his face, his look, everything about him. If we're going to go, I hate the Lakers and I hate the Celtics. I hate them both equally. You know why? Because I hate watch them for like 25 straight years as they were in the finals every year. And someone's like, you got to be a Celtic fan. You got to be a Laker fan. You got to pick a side. I hated both of them. I, I could not stand either one of them. Uh, it took me a long time to appreciate Kobe Bryant. Clearly, everyone appreciates how great he was. And even Kobe, when you juxtapose him and LeBron, it's like, come on, Kobe never whined the way LeBron does. And so right now, the number one guy athlete in sports, it's LeBron James. Like, he is at the top of where my the, – the other guy who I just – I cannot – I can't stand him. I just can't stand him. I cannot stand Kyrie Irving either. I, the, the whole him and Durant thing, Durant leaving to go pair up with him. Durant's one of my favorite players of all time. That worked out pretty well. to the Warriors. You know, it's a nightmare. And Kyrie is a very talented player. He's also very flawed on, on many levels. The guy drives me insane when I watch him. And it's just the things that come out of his mouth are absolutely insane as well. Those are the teams right now that I absolutely hate. It's hard for me to hate Mookie Betts, who's on the Dodgers. You know why? Because he's so damn good. Fuck that guy. I don't know. He's I hated so him last week. Good. I hated him last week, Joe. Uh, I'm sorry. Let me let me work backwards. First with Kyrie, I can associate immediately. Um, Kyrie has that personality type of a guy who takes like a single semester of sociology and then thinks uh-huh. he knows more than anybody has ever known ever about the topic and will lecture you, you know, 100%. nonstop. But, but starting it from the top. So hate is a nasty word, right? And like, I am trying. I'm trying. I mean, I, I feel like, so I'm going to say, you're right. Sports hate, it, it doesn't immediately go into that category. Real hate, I think, probably kills you early. Also, Joe, <laughs> I think I fucking have real hate for teams and players. And I thought I was over this, dude. Like, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a dad. I'm an older guy. I'm a professional. <laughs> like, I thought I would kind of moved on to this calmer portion of my life. And then you know what happened? LeBron James throws the ball off his leg last night and then just to the referees and we need to go to replay. I find myself standing screaming. My wife comes out and asks what the hell is wrong with me. My daughter was afraid of me. So I am still on board with not just sports hate. I feel like it's real hate. And a lot of it right now is aimed both at the Lakers and at LeBron. One one thing you two, one thing you guys real quick. I want your, all your opinions. Have you guys been in a gym with kids or high schoolers in the last five years? Uh, high schoolers, no, I have not. A- any any youth age? Any of you guys? I'm just I'm just asking out loud. Yeah, I was in a gym with some kids in an event, and Pool and um, Pasco were there, which was oh interesting. really? Yeah. Oh okay. Yeah. Well, you know how you hear about the Steph Curryification of <sighs> youth basketball? Everyone's <laughs> trying to shoot threes. Yeah, that's that's yeah, totally yeah, factually yeah. true. You know what's ten times worse? Every single snot-nosed 12-year-old who thinks they're entitled to a foul because LeBron James turns and complains <laughs> to the referee, they need to do the exact same thing. You know what I did when I was 13 years old and I tried to berate an official? I sat my ass down on the bench next to the coach because there's no way in hell any one of my park directors or gym directors or coaches was going to allow me to undress an official as a child. And 
I'm telling you, you could say what you want about Steph Curry ruining the game. You know what's ruining the game? The whining and crying and the constant berating <laughs> of the officials. The, the play you called last night, the official was afraid to call it like he saw it. Mm. Ball clearly went off LeBron, and LeBron bullied him. Just period. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I just, LeBron drives me. Nuts. No, you're 100% right. And this is a non sequitur, but it made me think of it. I don't know how many weeks it's been, Joe, since we last had you on the show. I mean, you know, a month at least. I will tell you that probably once a day, I think of that story you told us of that kid who was in the on-deck circle who shit in the shit in his pants off to the side. I mean, just randomly. Oh, what about that one kid? So you have absolutely affected my life. All right, MT, you capable of hate, dude? Are you too healthy for this conversation? Where are you on the most hated player? I am. Just to add one little story to all of this. I think when LeBron gave the shoulder shiver to Poole oh in, his, in his head, and they didn't review that, but Bielicha, you know, rightfully so, he should have got called for a flagrant one, you know, hits LeBron in the face and he goes down. He's like, I'm seeing four rims this time. <laughs> um, you know, like um, to me, it just, it it's symbolic of the double standard in LeBron's head. Like he scratched the shit out of uh, Damian Lee's face all in his eye, you know, and like had him bleeding. And he was like complaining, like, I didn't touch him. But when we do that to him, you know, it's the I can't see and I'm hitting 40 foot three pointers, even though I can't see. So it's just it's annoying. When but, you um, said that four rim comment, my butthole puckered up. I got hella angry again. <laughs> like, I mean, it's like, oh, that's right. Like, oh, I hated that. Uh, yeah. My favorite part was when Steph was like, oh, get the fuck out of here. When he literally like waved his hand at him. LeBron's like, I couldn't see it was in that playing game. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. and Curry yeah. literally looked at him and was like, get the fuck out Best part of the whole entire playoffs for me. But yes, I do strongly dislike slash hate. Um, But it's it's less of a team and more of a player. And it's always Harden. So um, it used to be Houston. But I don't care about Houston anymore. I like... You know, Nobody I watched does. them play and I just am indifferent. And now that he's on the Nets, I just really don't like the Nets. And you add in Kyrie and it just is a double whammy. And I'm just, I just don't like them. I'm upset because KD left and went there. Um, I still think he should have stayed. And to see him with Kyrie and James Harden and Harden just doing those stupid moves and hooking people's arms as he goes to the rim, just it just makes my blood boil. Similar question, boys. Um, a, a natural extension of what we were talking about. So if you were given some kind of a superpower, they handed you a button. And if you pressed that button, you had the power to decide that any individual who you identified would never win another championship in sports. I mean, anybody, player, coach, GM, anybody, you could take away that person's ability to win another title in their future. So two-part question. If you had that power, would you use it? And if you would use it, who would you use it on? Joe, I mean, just give it right to you, man, because I feel like you and I share oh. a, a hatred passion. So would, I mean, because this is a different thing. It's one thing to hate somebody. It's another thing to be like, oh, you are screwed. You are never going to win again. Would you do that? Yeah, I would. And it would be two people off the top of my head. LeBron's one of them, but forget him for just a second. Throw him to the side. One of them absolutely has to be Russell Wilson. It has to be. I can't stand this guy. Did you see him cornerly doing the, the little like fake huddle as he was getting ready for the game <laughs> oh, yeah. Sunday night? Oh, yeah. it, it was the most fraudulent thing I've ever seen in my life. It was disgusting. I, 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 I cannot stand that guy. And the other one's Chris Paul. I, I just, the Chris Paul love 
last year. Oh, Chris Paul, it's a career coronation on what? Him being a jerk to every single teammate he's ever been with? On him literally bailing and, and jumping ship on every negative spot? If Chris Paul was a warrior the last two years, would he be a warrior this year? Hell no. He would have begged to get out of town. Like, there's just some nobility in what Steph Curry's doing. Yes, they've, they've built everything up around him. He gets paid handsomely. This is the era of guys leaving. And literally, Steph is the only guy outside of Reggie Miller and Dirk Nowitzki who stayed with one team their entire time. It's I, To me, I find nobility in that. You and I both. Uh, here's the kind of sick bastard I am, Joe. Not only would I use this power, I might use this power on the five-year-old little girl who was waving that flag in your face, dude. <laughs> oh you know, like, I mean, like, I'm not actually using that as my example, but I, I, it is what it is. I have a lot of shortcomings in my personality. I would also throw it in a lot of directions, but to uh, have some consistency here, it would be LeBron. Although had you asked me that about 10 days ago, it would have been Mookie Betts. I don't know if I've ever <laughs> seen like anybody be more successful against one of my teams. And so I would have immediately pressed the button on him. Um, Marcus, before you answer, Maxime, guess on him. My guess is uh, Marcus would not use this power. Do you agree with me? Yeah, of course. No, yeah. he would not use it. Of course not. MT, would you? Absolutely. I'm using it right now on LeBron because I hate Let's the discussion <laughs> that LeBron can potentially be the GOAT. I think oh. that's preposterous. You know, like I hate every time Wes brings it up on our podcast. Um, and I just think it's it's silly. So the fact that he, I could prevent him from having any more championships to further along that silly discussion. I would use it in a heartbeat. I'm trying to use it right now. I'm trying to figure out how to use it. Maxime, I know that you would use it. So instead, I'm going to give you what might be the most important question of our podcast today. After last night, is it too early to call the Warriors title contenders? No. How come? I, I mean, everything we already talked about, I think top to bottom, this roster is... what? Okay, I will boil it down very simple. I think Joe said it right at the beginning of the podcast. We essentially won with our B squad last night. And that is very heartening against a team that I just said should, you know, it should be the odds on favorite to, um, to come out of the West against the Lakers. It's the first game. There's, you know, we should not get overexcited. I remember somebody talking about the Timberwolves a couple years ago, got out to a really hot start, and like we know that they're irrelevant as hell. So, you know, it's not based on judging one game. It's just it's watching it all come together. It's watching how this team works together, how they play together, how they're coached by somebody that understands the fundamentals of both strength in numbers and also strength in adaptability. I think there's tons of reasons to think that this team can make it out. Dude, they went in to the presumptive Western favorites house, beat them, and here's who they're going to add. Clay Thompson, James Wiseman, Jonathan Kuminga, Wiggins' legs, right? Because he's still on a, on a minutes limit. And then maybe most importantly, Steph fucking Curry. He didn't play that well last night, and they still walked away with it. Can we consider these guys possible contenders? Of course we can. Of course we can. Joe hyperbolic is this real no 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 no, no. Let, let's let's peel this back guys let's 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 workshop this who are the quote-unquote cont- i feel like the west is wide open personally i the, the Kawhi leonard injury and then the trade of to acquire russell westbrook to me it was a horrible trade. they should have taken buddy heel they need shooting they don't yep. need another ball dominant player i think the west is wide open let's let's go with utah okay we'll believe it when we see it in the playoffs right can we all agree there mm. absolutely Okay, let's go to Denver. Well, they're going to be missing Jamal Murray for 
pretty much the entire year. He tore his ACL against the Warriors in a game that they had no business even being in at the end. And the coach just kept fouling and fouling and fouling. They extended the game. The guy hurts his knee. Really unfortunate. I can't call them contenders because they have no point guard, right? Yes, fair. Of course. Okay. Okay. Memphis. I like Memphis. Come on. They're plucky. Too early. They're not yep. in the same weight class, right? They're not in the same weight class. And then I, I look at what happens with both LA teams. Paul George is out for the year. Or excuse me, uh, Kawhi Leonard Kawhi out Leonard, for the year. Yep. And Paul George played fantastic in the playoffs. It's different when you get to the playoffs, someone gets hurt, you can withstand and look good and survive a series. It's another to navigate an 82-game season. Like, I think it's going to be really difficult for them this year. And they lost a lot of important pieces as well. I look at the Lakers. They're not better than they were last year. The team to me that's at the top that no one wants to talk about is Phoenix. I think Phoenix is clearly, obviously, they went to the, to the finals last year. I'll listen to the Phoenix stuff. I just find it hard to replicate the season they had last year. And I saw what the Heat did the year prior. Somebody's got to fall back down to earth. Doesn't it feel like they're a team that could slip a little? Like, yes. I don't know. I just, of course just it stop is. workshopping this. What's, what's the one thing that Chris Paul has been known for throughout the playoffs? Injuries. The idea yeah. that he made it through one doesn't mean he's going to make it through it again. If I had to put down money, my I, I don't think it's going to be him being an Iron Man again. And, I mean, of course you're right, man. Like, Dallas, they could be good, but there's huge health <sighs> questions about Porzingis. New Orleans, Zion already out. I, was, I don't mean to interrupt. I've heard from lots of people in the know. Luca's a horrible teammate. So I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> wow. I'm just going to throw that out there. You guys can do with that what you want. I heard he's a horrible teammate. Guys don't like playing with him. That's love, just what I've been hearing, man. What's he like shitting in lockers or something? Like, wait, what's, <laughs> what's what have you been hearing? Ball. You know, he, he's literally the white James Harden. He doesn't pass the ball. No one wants to play with someone who dribbles. You guys have all played pickup basketball at some level. Nothing is worse than, oh, I threw it to him. Well, I'm never going to see it. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. who wants to play with that guy? You'd want to sit. You're going to sit an extra game so that you don't necessarily have to play with him. Although I will tell you, I can't imagine how ecstatic I would have been if we had broken the news that Luka Doncic was shitting in his teammates' lockers. That would have. <laughs> that really would have been absolutely incredible. Um all right, here is the last thing I have for you, and it is tailored right to you, Joe. In fact, this is something that happened to me about three weeks ago, and I kept it in pocket because I wanted to run it by you. So some background. Yeah, I brought a couple of friends with me to a Giants game. This is pre-playoffs, but it was during the pennant race. It absolutely mattered. Uh, I think the Giants were either one or two games out from locking it up. Okay. And I brought a couple of friends and I knew before I brought them that they're not baseball guys. You know, I mean, just not at all. They, they are aware of baseball. They've occasionally, you know, attended games, but it's not their sport. They don't give a fuck. Um, and I still brought them because I wanted to spend some time with them. We hadn't spent, you know, time together, the three of us for a real long time. So they show up and we had a great night. I should, I should absolutely say that. But I also want to say that one of them spent the entire evening going out of his way to show me that he didn't give a shit about baseball. You know, ironic things like, hooray, baseball cheers, or let's go watch some baseball. And at some point, it just hit me in the wrong way. I got super pissy about it, you know, and like, no, you owe at least some kind of false appreciation for being here. But I have anger problems. I can see that, right? So hearing this story, yeah, did this gentleman, even if he didn't like baseball, did he owe me some kind of false facade where he pretended to enjoy the sport? Or is he free to fire off? You know what? I don't really care about this. I'm just here to, uh, to enjoy the night. Well, look, let me tell you something, man. <laughs> Closed mouths don't get fed. Anybody who's out there and isn't grateful for something that they got, 
to go to for free. I mean, what kind of person is this? Like, <laughs> seriously, my dad has a line, fake it till you make it. Fake the funk. If you go out with somebody and you don't necessarily love them, but your wife really likes their wife and you got to hang out, fake the funk for an hour, get through it, and then be like, you know what, hon, now you owe me one, right? We've all had those situations. Yeah. But if I'm taking you somewhere and I'm paying for it, and even if you are buying beers and this and that, you're going to slap it back in my face? Take a hike, doggy. <laughs> like, no, nah, I'm totally out on that. Honestly, those are the ones where you feel obligated to now say something to them, don't you? <laughs> well, I just did. I just did, Joe. I know he listens to the show, and I was too much of a pussy to really give him shit. But I thought here would be a good environment. And I'll tell you what, even if I had talked to him, you know what I would not have come up with? A line of the magnitude of what kind of person is this? That is an incredible take by you. Just an incredible take. And I really appreciate so, the passion here. L- let me give you guys a little. Okay, so uh, it's game five. It's the eighth inning. It's Buster Posey against Kenley Jansen. Giants, Dodgers. I'm in the second row. Uh, Yes, I just dropped. I'm in the second row. But I was in the second row. So I'm all the way in the front, okay? There's a little girl in front of me standing on her seat. Dodger fans everywhere. The lady behind me goes, sir, can you sit down? I'm having trouble seeing the game. I go, lady, it is the eighth inning. Buster Posey versus Kenley Jansen, two Hall of Famers. It's the fucking Giants and Dodgers game five. What the hell are you talking about? I'm like, I'm no, I'm not sitting down. I literally just like <laughs> my wife turns to me and she's like, fuck that lady. And I was shocked. Oh, yes. Let's I go. Like I was shocked. And she goes, why do you come to a sporting event of this magnitude and want to sit in the eighth? And, it, and normally, normal me, normal thinking, I'd be like, look, it's a Tuesday. We're playing the Nationals. It's July. No problem. I'll sit down. I'm very cognizant of the people around me because I know they pay their money and I don't want to ruin it for them. Game five, Giants, Dodgers, Buster, Kenley. Are you kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? Excuse me. I'm going to get in a lot of trouble for swearing. But like, I, nothing drives me crazier than when there's a moment and someone has to be the moment ruiner. I'm like, go take a hike. Like, why are you here? The the hero of that story to me is Mrs. Shasky, dude. That's an incredible story about your wife. I'll, I'll give you, um, although to be fair, it wasn't playoffs, wasn't game five, but it was a Giants-Dodgers game. I brought my wife. They won. We're on the way out, and I decide somewhere along the line, and, you know, to be fair, I might have been a little hammered, that there wasn't <laughs> enough celebration going on. You know, like, and so I kind of fire off a couple, like, let's go, Giants, and no one's following me out. So the entire walk, you know, past the Willie Mays statue and over across the Third Street Bridge, we're going back to the car. I'm starting clapping obnoxiously. I mean, I'm clapping as loud as I possibly can continuously. And at one point, Eric and my wife turns around and says, if you don't stop doing that, I'm never coming to another game with you. So <laughs> he was definitely on the other side of the spectrum. Joe, I've kept you longer than I promised, but this is just crazy fun. I know that I'm not alone for those who need more butcher boy in their life or should they go uh 95 7 the game 6 a.m me and Bonte Hill the TV pre and post game host we're, we're basically bsing every single morning just two dudes talking about the teams we love in the city we love in the region we love and come join us you know hop in the tent boys one last question for all you guys one Please. last question for all you guys can Steph Curry replicate what he did last year can he yes will he hopefully no and we saw why just last night they're not going to need 32 points per game from him 
So I think he's going to have one hell of a year. Shit, he had a triple-double last night despite not shooting the ball well. Yeah. But I think the offensive fireworks that we saw last year aren't going to be replicated, not because he's taken any step back. It's just because last year they needed him to take every possible shot under the sun, and now they've actually surrounded him with some other competency. So I think that because they don't need him, he's not going to give them the same thing. Anybody else? Yeah, I mean, I. The thing is, is I so I agree with you, Bram, and I think there's there's optimism for the fact that it won't happen. As in, it's it's a good thing um, if he doesn't replicate what he did last year. But then again, I could see this Warriors squad pushing the number of threes attempted per game real high, like like historic heights. And if that's happening, you got green lights for Jordan Poole, but you also got green lights for Steph Curry. And I could see that turning into some pretty historic numbers, maybe some more than 402 threes made in a season type numbers. Sounds like you think it would happen, Joe. What's your take here? Well, I keep calling him Joe Montana, Buster Posey, Jerry Rice. Yeah. That's who he is to me, Barry yeah, Bonds. Sure, sure. I see a lot of similarities between this version of the Warriors and the 1988 49ers, where hmm. they reloaded in the draft in the two years prior. Then Montana got off to kind of a shaky start uh, in 88 because 87 he was hurt and he got replaced by Steve Young. But then 88, 89, 90, he straight dominated down the stretch. Dominated. I think we're in for a two or three year run that solidifies Steph Curry as a top five player all time. I really I, do. I love that. Um, I love it. And I think it is the perfect place to uh, spike the mic here. If you want to find more of us, not a lot of places you can turn, but our only social media presence remains Twitter. We are at Warriors Huddle. And if you want to shoot us any takes, get us some of these questions for the five golden questions. Let me know that I'm ridiculous or my wife is right in <laughs> saying she shouldn't go to games with me. You can shoot us an email, although we have a new email address. Maxime, what's our uh, our new professional email address? Man, I don't even remember. Hello at warriorshuddle.com? What are they? <laughs> Holy shit. Put me on the spot. That was hell of anticlimactic. Yeah, that was super. I thought it was like huddle at huddle. I guess we'll have to wait till next week. Uh, no, it's, it is huddle at warriorshuddle.com. You're right, Bram. There you go. Yeah. Okay, there you go. I vamped for long enough for us to sound remarkably unprofessional. With that in mind, go Warriors. Hopefully, we'll see you next week. Hell yeah. Good, good. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. 
Easier said, done. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.